hello everyone and welcome to this week's episode of your Kent on League podcast with Matt Gerrard and myself John Phipps. Um, I have to be honest with you, I've done next to no preparation for this week's show because I've had a quite a busy and, and stressful week. However, uh, we are going to bring you a couple of interviews and uh, all the news that we can find. Uh, no, I'm, I'm joking. We have actually got plenty of news um, that we're going to bring you and, and discussion throughout the next 45 minutes or so. Anyway, uh, as I've already said, I'm John Phipps and on the line now from Broadstairs, England is the one and only Mr. Matt Gerrard. How are you, Matt? Yeah, not too bad, John. Not too bad. Yeah. So again, no, I haven't really done too much this week. I know you've a stressful week, but I haven't watched much on the telly. I haven't really gone out much. Um, so basically, well, I wouldn't say I leave uh, lead a exotic and busy lifestyle, but this week's been not much really. So um, no, nothing exciting's happening really. It's March. It's cold. It's miserable. Just waiting for the summer really. So uh, apart from three points at the weekend, yeah, nothing exciting. I haven't watched anything on the telly. Um, having any funny stories um, so I don't know if it's going to be people may just sort of turn off now because there's nothing exciting I can say unless you can feed me something and I can say something exciting uh, No I'm struggling a bit with that one I mean I've already mentioned on the radio show uh, that I did a half marathon on there on Sunday haven't I I've already mentioned that I did a half marathon Sunday Matt Yeah 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 yeah. When when's the word uh, mention and half come in my sort of phone just goes beep so uh, you can mention it numerous times but um, if you do I I won't listen but congratulations I've told you fair play numerous times how many times I can say to you well well done mate no but I mean I just want to make sure that all the listeners know as well that I did a half marathon on on Sunday well well, respect yeah thanks Um, what I will say though is last week when we were talking about our Saturday morning TV um antics or, or viewing back in the day matt uh gave us a, a marvelous anecdote about quote the most famous person who lives in broadstairs and unfortunately uh that one ended up on the cutting room floor so matt please tell us how you'd like to be friends with trevor from trevor and simon yeah trevor from trevor and simon swing your pants and um going live he lives in broadstairs so uh, occasionally he used to live where my mother-in-law used to live so he had to walk down his road to go and see him. Occasionally we, we'd see him and uh, I'd sort of try and sort of catch his eye or, or wave, but he sort of did, sort of didn't, he sort of ignored me. So uh, that sort of thing, mainly because, um, well, he's still, he, a bit of a renaissance, so he's still quite popular. So um, from that point of view, um, he always walks around with a hat on his head and his beach hat's not too far from ours either. So he probably knows me by face, but I was sort of, Always wanted to sort of say hello, really enjoyed your time in the mid-90s, swinging your pants, but other people will say that. Uh, this is Trevor. Um, you saw, I have seen him wandering the streets of Broadstairs with Simon as well, which got me myself very excited, and my wife sort of dragged me apart as, as I was sort of waving to them again from that point of view. But the, the big anecdote was that um, I went for a New Year's Eve party um, somebody's house. I went to a couple. And what the first party we went to, he's recently moved to that road. And we got on to talking about famous people in Broadstairs. And the, the story was, he was coming to that party on New Year's Eve. So um, from that point of view, so he lived down the road. We hadn't had to leave to go to another party. So um, he could have told I actually haven't seen the lady since. I don't know if he actually did turn up, but um, he'd have probably had me in his ear all evening. So um, so if he is, he's more famous than Chetna, who... Um, from uh, Bake Off, who's uh, from there. So, yeah, Trevor from Trevor and Simon, aka early nineties kids program, is the most famous person in Brussels. And I have tried seeing it. And the late, the, and the sort in the office who's there is now swinging her pants in front of me, so she can hardly hear me. And she knows who he is. But he always wears a hat. It could be like four hundred and fifty degrees out there, well, a bit extreme. But he always wears a sort of a pork pie hat, and he's, I think he's a bit different trendies in a band and all sorts. But I do try and wave at him, but he sort of just ignores me. Well, I'm not having him as the most famous person in Broadstairs, Matt, because he's never been on the Kent on League podcast and he wasn't on Radio Kent on Monday. I think you need to big yourself up. Maybe when he's seen you, he doesn't want to come up and approach you. He's like, that's Matt Gerrard. He's the bloke who, cover- who commentates on Dover. There was rumours. When we had a conversation, we went on to this, the most famous person in Broadstairs. Of course, Charles Dickens, he's big in down our manor. <laughs> of course, he's, but he's no longer um, uh, around, but he's got loads of houses and pubs named after him. There was a rumour that Joe Brand lived in Broadstairs. I don't actually know if that is true. I've never seen her. Um, other famous people, um, if you ever watch Vera, Brenda Brethin, she lives in Ramsgate, and she has, I've seen her wandering through the streets of Broadstairs, as has my mum, and my mum sort of gave her away at that time as well, from there. But that is, I don't know who the most famous person in Eastbourne is, or in your old place of Sittingbourne, John. 
Uh, well, I think the rumour was that Phil Mitchell from uh, EastEnders lived in Sittingbourne. Uh, never saw him myself. Really? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, well, I mean, who started that rumour that he lived in Sittingbourne? I don't know. It might have been my other half, Haley. I don't know. But she apparently the rumour was that he lived in uh, in Borden Lane up there uh, in Sittingbourne. I don't know if that's true. Um, if anyone's out there and fancies going on and knocking on all the doors in Sittingbourne and uh, Borden Lane to find out if this is true. Um, do there must be, there might Twitter. be a lot of numerous baldy tough guys living in Sittingbourne, so she may have been uh, um, mistaken. But yeah, that is a great one. Mitchell, where do you live? Sittingbourne. <laughs> Um, yeah, though I, I haven't uh, had much time to, to check out the uh, the famous um, people of Eastbourne, perhaps. Although there must be a load, though. Louis Kalou was seen in town um, the, the other day, apparently. So, or, But then someone said, or oh, maybe it's that bloke who just looks like him. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I will inv- I'll make that my homework for the next week's Kent Only podcast. I, I'm thinking, you know, I'm going on the, the pre conception or well, preception where the word is getting there that everybody in Eastbourne is a bit old it'll be some lovely music uh, film star from from there who's in there or like an aging crooner that sort of yeah thing. exactly yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Val Tony, Christ, Tony Christie's still, I don't know if he's still alive Tony Christie I don't, I don't know he might be dead I don't, I, don't know I don't know actually I thought he I thought he was still alive. I'm really, wouldn't it, man? I'm going to so, Google him now. I, I, I don't. Yeah, he, he may not. Have, he's probably from up north. But has that's sort of he? Thing. Has Matt Gerrard killed off a singing superstar? This is the big question. Tony Christie is alive and well. He's well, seventy-five well, sorry, years sorry, old. Sorry, sorry. If you do live in Eastbourne, from that, that's the only thing I can. Yeah, Eastbourne. That boy still lives in Brighton. So yeah, there, well, there must be somebody. It's got to be, isn't it? Yeah, and I'm thinking. No disrespect to Chetna or Trevor from Trevor and Simon. Even though Brenda Blessing, I think she might be a dame, so she's on a different level. There'll be somebody in Eastbourne who's more famous than Trevor and Jenna. But what about the twins from Funhouse? They're from Margate. Still fan it, mate. You can still have them. They're still yours. Well, well still have them. The word of word on the street is you might want to edit this out. No, you can't say that. Was the word on the street, yeah. Yeah, I did hear. I've heard those rumours as well. Anyway, it's our 74th episode this week. Uh, not much going on with the number 74. Actually, certainly no uh, hit Saturday morning TV programmes. Although, I did find out when I was briefly looking at the year 1974, that 45 years ago on Friday, uh, Queen 2 was released, which is a good album by Queen. Um, but also there were some... Um, the first sex tuplets in the world where all six babies survived were born on January the 11th, 1974, in South Africa. However... One of these triplets, who obviously is now 45 years old, apparently lives in Kent. So, uh, Elizabeth Rebecca Rosenkowitz, if you are listening to the Kent Nonny podcast, do drop us a tweet at, at Kent NL Podcast on Twitter, because I'd love to hear from you. I'm sure you're a massive fan of VCD or something. Um, anyway, um, moving on to football. Uh, we will start at the top of the pyramid this week. And a big week for Dover Athletic, who... They were at home to the team, bottom of the table, and they managed to get three precious points. It was also a massive week for goalkeeper Lee Wargan, who became a dad for the first time. And here he is talking to Matt after that 3-0 win against Braintree. It's been a good week for you, become a father for the first time and uh, back in the team today. Yeah, it's been a fantastic week. I, I Literally, I couldn't have asked for it to be any better. I've um, got my, my gorgeous little girl and she, she, like I said to you just a second ago, she melts me. And um, Yeah, and today, 3-0, win at home difficult debut for me because of obviously the situation that we're in but I'm absolutely delighted yeah I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled key part of the game I think probably was that five minutes after half time you tipped a, um, one onto the crossbar which their manager said was a magnificent save and then the penalty save so uh, busy time for you it's an important part of the game because even they had ten men they were coming into the game yeah I thought they were actually a good side I thought the boy Morton up top on loan from West Brom was a real handful caused us problems um, yeah I, 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 like I said I had, I had an inkling where I thought he might go I watched a lot of their set pieces last night Managed to get enough on the ball to push it onto the bar and the boys helped me out with the second phase. So, um, And then in regards to the penalty, there was some confusion between them, which added pressure onto the yeah, table. Yeah, going to argue who was going to take it, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, well, Morton was down to take it. He told me that at the time. I was listening to the conversations and, you know, I, I wasted half an hour of my night last night watching all of his penalties. So uh, that didn't help. But I think it added pressure onto the taker and I, I knew straight away where I, or I thought he might go. And again, it, it paid off for me and like everything else seemed to today. 
What's that feeling when you save a penalty? Is it, you know, like putting the ball in the back of the net or is it a keeper you don't know? But what is that feeling like? Oh, it is, yeah. Yeah, it's like, I've not I've ever scored a goal, but I can only imagine that's what it feels like. Um, your first instinct is, is if you don't catch it, where's it gone? Because there's nothing worse than making a save and then them scoring the rebound. So I thought, right, just get on the second ball and then, listen, I've helped the team out. I just tried to keep myself focused. I, I'm old enough to know that sometimes later on in the games, if you let yourself get too elated, it can work against you. Um, but like I said, 3-0 at home, a ma- mag- magnificent result for us. How difficult is it? Of course, you're the goalkeeping coach. Mitch has been here a long time and you've yeah. taken his place. How difficult has the week been with him or is it the goalkeeper's union coming through? No, goalkeeper's union's been, been where it needs to be. Um, manager spoke, me and the manager had a, a meeting with Mitch. Um, just thought that needed to come out of the team maybe for a, a week or so. Um, he's still the number one goalkeeper at this football club. He's still the number one in my eyes. I'm, I'm still going to act like that. Um, and he's, he's been fantastic, brilliant yesterday, brilliant with the warm-up today. He, he was the first person to congratulate me after the game. So, yeah, we're as strong as ever. Um, we need to all be, all be together as a group coming to the last 10 games. So, Andy Hester said this wasn't a, a must-win game, but arguably it was, and it was a big three points for you. Yeah, I think sometimes, yeah, you, it, it, you know, there's 11 games left, loads of points. Um, but they are, they're must-wins after you win them. Um, and we've, like I said, we won 3-0. Um, give ourselves a, a bit of a deficit, a bit, bit of a points gap. So, yeah, it's nice. You know, still a long way to go, but it's in your own hands because a lot of sides around you, you've got to play here and it's making this place a fortress, isn't it? Yeah, I think we need to we need to do that. We need to make this place difficult to come to um, and results like this go a long way to, to doing that. As a, have you had much sleep this week? Anyway, yes. uh, yeah, fortunately, last night we, we've managed to try and get get the little one into some sort of a routine, if you can call it that. And my wife was excellent, bless her. She stayed up all night, um, let me get my sleep. So it obviously helped today. Baby juice tonight for you, though. Baby juice tonight, yeah. Tonight and tomorrow night, I'll be, there, won't, I'll be drinking plenty of coffee. Yeah. You can watch Match of the Day with her tonight. Then. <laughs> yeah, show what your dad does. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah. So a changing goal, Matt, for, for Dover. And Lee Wogan did well. I've seen a video this morning, one of his saves. Um, a, a, a decent performance and a clean sheet for him. Yeah, the, the feeling was after the maiden game that maybe that Mitch Walker would be um, rested or dropped as he played 91 consecutive games in the league and be an absolute stalwart. Um, I think Annie Satola was somebody who's more of a sweeper-keeper who comes out and uh, maybe commands his area a little bit. To be fair, when Brainshaw went down to six mi- uh, 10 men after six minutes, their game changed, the game plan changes because they had one up front so uh, Morgan didn't really need to come out of his area because uh, they didn't really attack too much but in the only few moments of the second half Braintree who I thought were pretty pretty good going forward there Callum Morton from West Brom and uh, I think he's got a bit of a future there he, he was excellent for Braintree um, Morgan saved an excellent free kick then he saved a penalty so and from that point if that one of those had gone in Dover were a bit on the rack a bit they didn't perform particularly well, but they got the three points. And fair play to Lee Wogan. Um, as he said in that interview, he still thinks Mitch Walker's the number one goalkeeper, but he's come in and done a job. And, you know, as he said there, saving a penalty and, it, and his first child being born. It's been a good week for him and maybe the catalyst that David can keep some clean sheets. So I expect him to stay until the end of the season now um, and they can stay up. But a big three points, which they had to win. Andy Hessenthaler saying it wasn't a must-win game. Absolutely must win. Um, so it was a good good day all round. Other teams around them lost a bit, uh, lost a bit of ground, uh, lost as well. So yeah, all in all, a good day out. Not the greatest game in the world, but three points for the Whites, which is the most important thing. And a four-point gap now between you and the drop zone. You are still 20th. Um, and obviously Barnett, the team above you, have got four games in hand. But um, four-point gap between you and Havant and Waterloo, who played the same game. So it, it is in your own hands now, isn't it? Yeah, I think it's particularly coming up. This the the games coming up Saturday and Tuesday, Saturday. There's some massive games. They've got two home games after Hartlepool at the weekend. Yeah, and the results didn't go too bad last night. Chesterfield, we always thought would get out of it. Um, they won at Braintree, which basically ends Braintree's any of Braintree's hopes. Um, but Maidenhead and Dagenham drew, which keeps Maidenhead in. To be honest, they would want to keep on the coattails of Maidenhead, I would have thought. Um, I think Chesterfield have gone. Halifax seems to be OK as well now. They've won two on the spin and they don't concede any goals. So, yeah, I haven't, aside from there, fortunately they lost to Lake Norian. So, but I think the next three games for all the teams in the National League is really going to make or break it where they are. So, um, probably in two weeks' time when we do the pod, I think we'll probably know Oh, I think I'll know if Dover are going to have a squeaky bum time or going to be safe. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's so congested in there. I'm, I've, I've got the table in front of me and, and 
from you from Dover in twentieth up to Bromley in eleventh, there's only eight points. And if Andy Hessenthaler is saying that you're going to need fifty points to stay up, which I believe he told you after the game, um, you know none of those. I, teams, I think you need more than fifty, to be honest. Well, none of those teams are quite o- over the line. And the thing is, when the league table is like this and is so congested around there. I, you, you say 50 might not be enough. I think 50 might be plenty in this situation because it only takes one of these teams to go on a really bad run and they won't get anywhere near 50 points. And then that gives hope to the likes of... To, to haven't, really, because all the shot are a further three points back from them. They have got a game in hand. And Maidstone and Braintree, it, it's looking pretty bleak for both of those, it has to be said. Um, but So you're, you're thinking less than... Yeah, I think so. In, in such a tight division, when you've got so many teams in close quarters... And I'm prepared to bet you a dinner at a, uh, at a chain of your choosing, which is just up the road from the BBC studios, yep. that a team will not be relegated with 50 or more points in the, from the National League. OK, no, I think we need a bit more. Yeah, we'll go with that. We'll go with that. We've got 10 games to go, see? So, uh, interesting. So, yeah, yeah I, I still think you need 51, 52. So, um, yeah, yeah, so interesting. Yeah, we'll go with that. Bizarrely... Come up, Mike, when I'm looking on the BBC website, the best of Louis Theroux. The world's gone freaky, isn't it? It could be. It's very nice and clouded. Yeah. Cold blooded and deeply manipulative. I don't know if he's talking about you, John, but. Yeah, um, yeah after the week I've had, mate, I tell you. Um, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> elsewhere in the National League, a disappointing week for Bromley this week as they lost 2 0 at home to Borehamwood uh, before losing 1 0 at Harrogate on Tuesday night and uh, I saw a picture of the travelling faithful up to uh, up to Harrogate on Tuesday night and fair play to every single one of those people who made that journey. For 93rd minute penalty loss as well, we probably yeah. would be kicking the cat at that point. What a what a journey, hope. Well, at least their cats were a long way away and, and safe. Yeah. yeah. Um, also on Saturday, Maidstone lost 5-0 at Solihull Moors in a TV game. Uh, 4-0 down in, in no time whatsoever. Um, Do you see any of the goals in that? I haven't had the chance yet. No, were they? Uh, were they? They love a log throw, Solihull. Absolute weapon that is. Scum guy. I, I think it's the big centre half. It, uh, you know, solid. He, two of the goals just pinged straight in. Just couldn't cope with it. So I bet you um, love a long throw, don't you? I, I do love a long throw. Yeah, but uh, I do love a long throw. But if you keep doing the same one, it winds me up. At least mix it up a little bit. But normally Dover have. They used. That one of the things they never had, they used to have Jack Parkinson who could throw an absolute mile when they ever utilised him. Mitchell Pinnock had a good throw on him, but I mean, but yeah, I do love it. But this is a weapon. It catch it out on um, beats. This is, you know, it's high and with pace. So, um, and Maystone couldn't cope with it. And um, yeah, Maystone, well, I, I think they're gone, aren't they, really? So, um, unfortunately, it looks bullied them really there. Yeah. Uh, Ebb Street were beaten 1 0 at home by Salford, uh, seven points outside the playoffs now. Ebbsfleet, so they they might they might still think they've got a chance of sneaking in, but uh, you just never know because it is so. It's still again, it's congested up there as well. But Ebbsfleet are probably the only mid-table team, seven points in the playoffs and uh, seventeen points from the relegation zone. So uh, it's not looking like they're going to be having a successful end to the season this time around. But fair play to Gary Hill was doing a great job there. Um, as you said, lack of players as well. They've got pensions and things like that. So out for the be... season as well. So. Yeah, so it'll be again. It's going to be an interesting summer for any of our clubs, particularly if Maidstone and Dover go down and absolutely with their with their problems. So Bromley may be the only stable club at the moment. It'll be interesting to see what goes on there, but there's never a dull moment, is there, in the National League? No, as Matt's already said, a full programme next week. Uh, it's both Saturday and Tuesday. So on Saturday, we've got uh, Bromley at Dagenham, Redbridge, Ebbsfleet go to Halifax, Dover go to Hartlepool, and it's Maidstone against Havant and Waterlooville. And then on Tuesday night, it's Bromley against Chesterfield, Dover against Boreham Wood, uh, Ebbsfleet against Maidenhead United and Maidstone travel to Eastley. So um, a couple of big games for the Whites there, Matt. Yeah, I think you don't know what you're going to get from Hartlepool. Um, won their last season, but the, the big game, Boreham at home and then followed by Halifax. So, um, yeah, they're the big games. They're the game. When your home games will be safe. So, and, and I presume on Saturday, Dover will probably asking Maidstone to do them a favour and beat Haven and I'm thinking eventually Maidstone will win a league game at the Gallagher since the last time in August. You can't um, go from that point of view, so hopefully it can be this weekend. Into the National League South, then, where Dartford had a great 2-1 win on Tuesday night, winning at Hemel Hempstead Town, uh, which followed up from their disappointing 2-0 loss at Dulwich Hamlet on Saturday, while Welling were held 2-2 by St Albans City. 
Um, Dartford up to sixth after that win on Tuesday night, but they do have uh, have played one more game than Bath City, who they leapfrogged last night. Uh, Welling still fifth, just a point in front of the darts now, though. So uh, the two Kent teams could even end up being on course to play each other in these playoffs. Matt, that would be a big old game, wouldn't it? At the moment, they would play each other, wouldn't they? That would be a big game. Um, I think there's a bit of rivalry there. Dartford beat Welling a few years back, didn't they? And to get into the National League, I think, in the playoff final. Um, whenever that was, 2012 maybe. So, yeah, they're a bit of rivalry. You know, they're, they're swapping over of players from that. It was a good result against Hamill. Um, Phil Roberts, I think, got both goals. They pegged back in the 86th minute and went up the other end and scored. So, um, yeah, a bit of character there for the dart. So, I'm interested to see. I presume now they just, you know, it's quite tight. I mean, no Talkie and Woking have gone. The rest of them may be playing for, for third place, which could, could be a way tie against either one of those two sides who don't win it. But consistency for the darts, well, it's amazing now. They've got fit, only a goal difference of plus three, where everybody else is a lot higher. So, um, But they're doing all right there. And the Wings had two players sent off against St Albans, which was disappointing for them. Um, and again, they've got issues with players. But I'm sure I'm sure at the moment, I'm pretty confident, 40, must be nine games to go, isn't it? 42 in this division yet. Yeah, both sides will be in the playoffs. And... That would be a big game if they uh, if they meet each other in one of the uh, the knockout games. Dartford at home to Gloucester, who are fourth from bottom in the table and uh, battling for against the drop. Uh, while Welling have a tricky little game on Saturday, actually away to Wealdstone, uh, Matt, who are just outside the playoffs, only two points behind uh, Bath, and were five nil winners at Western Supermare on Tuesday night. So that's not going to be an easy game for Steve King's men, especially if they're short on numbers. Now, one of my good mates, when Dover used to play Wealdstone back in the early nineties, Wealdstone. Um, were quite a big club. They won the non-league double in the 80s and they had absolute mental fans who used to climb on the top of the terraces and all things like that. And my mate who texts me, he lives in Doha, he loves his non-league supporters and the fans they bring. He says, I don't care about anybody going up. We need Willstone in the National League because their thugs will cause chaos. <laughs> That's what his words were. Because they are one of these old teams who, uh, you know, I always remember they, they, they'd be absolute. Don't we used to have a big rivalry with Willstone and it was rumbles left, right and centre. So, yeah, he wants them up because their thugs will cause problems, he said. Brilliant. Not that he's a football hooligan in himself, he just likes the fans' point of view, if you know where I'm going from. There's a Willstone yeah, Will yeah. supporter at one of, the, uh, one of my freelance jobs, actually, and uh, the other week we were talking about, <laughs> during, during a Champions League game uh, between Roma and Porto, uh, it was, the action was so dull, we were actually talking about Dover Athletic for quite some time, uh, me and the Wheelstone fan. He didn't seem to mention uh, the massive rivalry that you had, we just had lots of conversations about Dover that I won't repeat on this Kent Non League podcast. Um, also, one more thing in the Palestine, I'm sure he probably was. Yeah, one more thing in the National League South as well. Do you see about Chelmsford on Tuesday night, who travelled all the way to Torquay for that game to be called off about an hour before kickoff? It's something that has been discussed a lot, but something needs to be done about postponements and how to avoid people taking time off work and travelling all that distance for a game not to happen. Surely there needs to be some ruling whereby unless there is some sort of biblical downpour a decision needs to be made much much earlier well as a trek from Chelmsford to Torquay so yeah I feel sorry for them there and I'm sure Torquay who'd lost at the weekend wanted to play from there was it that bad the weather but mate clearly it was but we've all been there John I've been to games that got called off at two o'clock when I was standing in a bar uh, years ago but unfortunately um, I'll take it Chelmsford weren't particularly impressed with these things I, th- I think Chelmsford weren't best pleased, but nor was uh, nor were um, Torquay. You know, and I think Gary Johnson himself said, you know, something's got to be done. You know, and that they feel very bad for them as well. So um, I think it's uh, one of those things. No, you know, I was just reading an article. Yeah, the Torquay knew the game was going to be called off, but nobody was willing to make that decision until a, ref- a referee turns up, bounces the ball on, doesn't realise he's going to roll, and calls it off. So fair play to Gary Johnson for saying that. that from there but hopefully that will be um, that, will, that will run and run but that could be a big game now coming at the end of the season for all our sides in that one when Chelsea will play um, Torquay so yeah interesting times ahead yeah into the Isthmian League and we're going to start in the South East Division actually um, this week where we a few weeks ago we spoke to Chris Lynch after he was appointed as the new City Wall manager he had a few hopes he said oh, I, 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 we'll see how we get on here he is now Five wins in six, and City Ball are now up to 13th in the table. Haven't been right down the bottom of it and in trouble when he took over. So that gave me an excuse to catch up with Chris again. So here he is, City Ball manager Chris Lynch. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's been uh, it's been quite an interesting last five or six games. So that's why we the last six. Um, it took us a little way to get there, though. We've had to, we've had to sort out some, uh, some new players coming in, um, some extra loans coming in as well, um, and really just get them used to training and working together. So um, there's been a lot going on. It's been an eventful last two and a half months. You, you say that there is, you know, there's been work with bringing players in. How hard is it to, to bring players in and get them playing the way you want and, and all gelling in the middle of a season? Well, do you know, it's extremely difficult. Um, you know, halfway through a season anyway is, is even worse because um, most of the uh, the players that you're probably going to be looking at are either contracted or, um, or, or signed up elsewhere. So that's always an interesting challenge to deal with and begin the season's off the ideal. Um, but uh, luckily for us, we managed to get some very good players in um, who were uh, obviously some of these above who were not quite getting the game time potentially that they uh, they wished and needed a bit of uh, time out and go and get some minutes. So that's helped us a bit. Um, and also, obviously, the lone players coming in from Gillingham have been fantastic as well. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's never easy. But once you start getting a, uh, a squad together who are all committed, all signed on to the new philosophy and want to go and achieve something, then um, training becomes a little bit easier. And then it's just a case of putting the styles and tactics in that's going to fit the individual players you've got. So, yeah, there's a lot happened. It's done really well. I suppose looking at where you were in the league table as well, to, to bring players in and tempt players in, that's a, that's a bit of a boost for you, isn't it, personally, that people want to come and play for you? Um, yeah, I mean, yeah. It's, um, it's, it's always difficult being at the bottom, especially in the bottom three and the table. Uh, as you saw the week before I arrived, six players left. You know, not just six players that hadn't featured a lot. I mean, most of them, six have featured quite heavily throughout the season. So at that point, um, it looks like it's kind of jumping a, uh, a sunken ship. But, you know, it, then it comes down to the players and the managing wants to get in. Secondly, can he get him in? And thirdly, luckily for us, you know, it's worked out well. And um, that's why having the links some of the other clubs have worked out well as well. Yeah, and you mentioned that the lone players from Gillingham. It's been noticeable the last couple of years that they've sort of been looking to send players out into Kent a bit more, which, which is good for the whole county, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. I mean, if you look at what Faversham have got three at the moment, we've got three at the moment. Um, I think Bill have got one, two. I think there's one or two down in the scaffold leagues also. I think um, I think it's Hans and Blair maybe have one. Um, so, there's, you know, there's a lot of talent about. And I think it's really good for them, but it's also great for us because, you know, they've been trained pro for quite some time now. Technically, they're very good. Um, and they just need to come and have a look at the game at the more physical end which um, a lot of the teams around here can obviously provide. So, you know, I think it works well both sides, both ends. And last Saturday, your biggest crowd of the season watched you win a, a local derby. So you can't complain with that, can you? No, not at all. It's really uh, pleasing for me because uh, the week prior, um, you know, part, there's a big job to do here. Um, and some of that is about playing entertaining football, getting value for money, you know, working out all of, all of the bits and pieces that brings fans back to uh, a club. Not necessarily have been uh, throughout the season as well as they probably have done over the last couple of years. So um, I put out a press release uh, last uh, last week, um, just letting everyone know that you know it's, uh, you're going to get entertained now. You know, come and have a look at the new team, get behind them again. They're doing well now, um, and thankfully a lot turned out. I think we had 297 officially, um, and it looked like others had arrived after the um, after the kickoff. So I think it actually was over 300. Um, in technical terms. So, yeah, great turnout. Shows the potential that Citybourne's got as a club when you can get nearly 300 people in through the gates. Oh, absolutely. I think um, I think the location, um, there's a lot of people there. Um, the population of Citybourne is, is massive. Um, so getting a small percentage of those there on a regular basis will up us. But don't forget, we've also got to work hard behind the scenes for that as well. You know, we've got to make sure the facilities are getting better. Um, I read a comment online, I think, this morning where one of the um, one of the fans have put in there about parking, you know. So there's still things that we can improve upon. But if we can cater for a lot of those needs as best as we can, you know, at the end of that, it's a community club. Um, it's it's a place where um, you know we hope to attract uh, the, the youngsters as well as families, you know, and the older generation who've been coming for a while. You know, so it's a new breed, it's a new style of football. And uh, everything's going well at the moment, so why not come and have a look? Finally, you're away to Seven Oaks on Saturday. Um, there are only two places above you in the table, so looking forward to that one, I expect. Yeah, absolutely. Again, um, you know, they're only, uh, I think it's two points ahead of us. 
and um, a win there will obviously put us right in the mix. And then again, Whitstable the following week away, two tough games, but um, you know the target is as it's always going to be, and that is we're going to go out to win those two games. We're going to do the best we can. So if we win both of those, then what a turnaround that is! That'd be seven wins from eight. That will put us in the top ten. And uh, who would have thought that in January? Well, you can't argue with that, Matt, can you? He's doing a, a, a marvellous, marvellous job at Woodstock Park. Yeah, interesting, because he comes from the youth football, isn't he? Um, I think he was running at Dover Academy, or, or at least part of the Dover under-16s. Gone in. Um, clearly, he's brought the players in. He's got good contacts. The, the players he's brought in from Gillingham seem to be doing very well, and he rates them. And he's done a good job. He's got Nathan Eldo, you know, a very affable character that gets on well with players, so maybe uh, they're working well together. Yeah, we've seen it with Sitting Bourne, though, John go on and runs and then, you know, very win a few, then lose a few. But he's talking the right way. as a confidence there. And I, I think he's taken to management or senior management in non-league football uh, like a duck to water. And long may that continue because um, got a lot of time for sitting Bourne Football Club. Um, and hopefully they can go in the right direction. But yeah, again, he thinks he can get top 10, which a couple of weeks ago, if he had told me that, I'd have thought he'd be absolutely mad. But results are really looking good. Well, it goes to show you as well, I mean, the attendance they got on Saturday, yes, it was a local derby. But the attendance is bigger than anything in the North Division on Saturday. Uh, it's bigger than anything in the South Central Division. And the only places where there were more people on Saturday in uh, the division that we're concerned with, the South East Division, were Guernsey, where there was always a big crowd. Hastings for a derby against Haywards Heath and Herne Bay for a derby against Whitstable. So um, that, that just shows you the, the potential that there is there. As I said to him, you know, you can see the potential of Sittingbourne. And, and he's, 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 what I liked about him there was he wasn't just talking about what's going on on the pitch. He's talking about what's going on off it as well, because they know that Woodstock Park's not an ideal place to watch football, but they're, tr they're doing their best, aren't they? Yeah, I think, you know, when he said about that, getting people in, getting out to the fans, communication. Uh, I think um, that's the way forward. He seems to be like a, one of these new age managers who wants to get the fans on board and talking with them and things like that. And I think at this level of football, and there's a lot of clubs in um, around the low area where he is, if he can get that little bit of um, unique selling point and how he gets himself across, that can only be good for Sittingbourne. And you know, there's some great people at Sittingbourne. Um, you know, have had some pretty much, you know, early 90s, they had bucket loads of money, didn't they? And it went a little bit wrong. And now they're at the level, which is probably where they're going to always going to likely to be. But, um, you know, again, and I do like the decision that they've gone, um, the manager there before was a young manager, they've gone with somebody unproven now, but it seems to be working out for them, and uh, fair play to them. Yeah, plenty to talk about, actually, in, in the Bostick South East Division, so we'll stick on this for a, a little. Herm Bay, obviously, Matt, they've um, announced last week that they've got a few financial problems as well, just after losing um, their striker, Jake Embry, as well. Um, they're saying that they're struggling financially and, and struggling to get money in, and, and all sorts of problems, really, for them, and it's, you know, it, it's saying that two directors of the club are inputting significant funds to ensure its survival um, and neither of the directors are able to keep doing that so that's why they've had to let some players go because they, they need to do something but they had a good win on Saturday against the local rivals Whitstable Yeah, Whitstable were a bit of a, a very poor run um, Yeah, I think they sold some Carlton to high for a fee as well Yeah, maybe this, this is the similar part of the season when you do see club struggling for money you know you know you haven't had the cup run you expected the gates have been down because the weather there hasn't been too good and you're scrimping and saving around to save money but it's always going to be a difficult one for clubs like Herne Bay to try and um, get people through the gates when the results haven't been particularly good particularly at home has always been a bit of a, a problem for them hasn't it so they won four games out of 14 at home I know the form has turned around a little bit but yet I admire anybody who's willing to put money into a non-league football club because, you know, the rewards and returns you're going to get on that is probably going to be minimal, to be honest. And maybe, um, you know, you've got to look, cut the cloth a little bit accordingly. I don't think Herne Bay are mega players. Unfortunately, they've lost a little bit of money out on Jake Embry because they might have got, you know, £5,000 or something, even a little bit more for him. But they have to take him off contract and maybe they've been burnt a little bit there. But I'm sure the people running the club have got the club in that in their minds, they're not going to do anything too silly. No. Um, other things we need to talk about in the Bossett League as well are Sam Hassler's goal, uh, which came in the second minute of that game at Whiteleaf on uh, on Saturday. Have you seen it, Matt? I did retweet it from the podcast. It's an absolute pearl. The, the, the velocity, great word, it went in the back of the net. That was travelling some absolute things. The good thing about that, though, do you see those goals in there? Old-fashioned goals like that. It always looks better, I think, 
when it hits the back of the net from there. But you won't find a better. Go- I'd love to know the speed that was travelling because that is not you had a four goalkeepers and nobody would have stopped that. No, exactly, and and that was in the second minute. Jay May scored in the fourth minute, and Ashford were well on their way to a three-one win in that game at Whiteleaf. And finally, um, before we run through the rest of the results, and um, the game between VCD Athletic and Whitstable on Tuesday night was abandoned, uh, with Whitstable leading one 0 thanks to a Taylor Fisher goal. After VCD Athletics, Dominic Odusanya suffered a back injury uh, during the game. However, the news on him is good. He is um, he's been released from hospital, and there is no uh, no break for him. Uh, which is uh, no fractures or anything in his spine, but that must have been a, a pretty frightening moment for him, because, uh, for him and, and for everybody at the game. Because um, it's 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 always horrible when that happens. I was at the game uh, a couple of years ago now, where um, horrible clash of heads between Nick Treadwell and uh, Lee Browning when it was Herne Bay against Ramsgate. We ended up with the um, the air ambulance on the pitch came and took Lee Browning um, away, um, and it was all uh, Lee Browning had, obviously had to retire after that as well. And it's it's. It's very awful. Uh, just to give, read you the full statement on uh, Dominic, uh, he was released from hospital at 2am. Uh, he was he has no breaks in his back, but he's still in a lot of pain and they will keep us updated and thanks for all the concerned messages. Um, but you never want a, a game to, to be abandoned in those sort of circumstances, do you? No, I didn't realise a game abandoned until I checked this morning. About, I thought maybe the weather had been uh, played a part, but I saw that and I'm glad that... Um, Dominic is on the men. So to speak. I think you do find it a little bit more in um, games now that there's so much more concern about the players. You do find a game, particularly at this level, if there's a bad injury, let's call off the game and move it on. And I think that's the way forward. And I'm sure, despite Whitstable be leading in that game, the most important thing is Dominic's health. And uh, I'm really glad that um, there's no no real lasting damage at the moment for him. So, yeah. Yeah, but I think it's the right decision. At the level of football, you know, abandon the game. There's more important things than non-league football. Exactly. That was um, also Whitstable Town apparently gave refunds to anybody who wanted one uh, who turned up as well on Saturday, uh, Tuesday night, which is very good. And the other results on Saturday, uh, VCD won 4-3 in that game at Guernsey in front of 682. Uh, first half hat-trick from Charlie McDonald. Um, Herm Bay were How old is Charlie McDonald now? He must be. He's about my age, so I think he's 38 now. He's, he's older yeah. than me, same year as me though. Um, yeah, yeah, good player. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Herne Bay 3, Whitsburg 1. Uh, Cray Wanderers were 1-0 winners at Phoenix. It was Ramsgate 1-3, Bridges 1. We've already heard about City 1-3, Fabian 1 and Whiteley, um, Ashford 3, Whiteleaf 1. And we'll finish with Hyde Town, who were beaten 2-1 at Horsham. And it seems that Sam Denny is now writing off this season and is looking ahead to the next season. Jackson Mutis has already announced that he's moving on um, after uh, at the moment because things aren't going too well for... Um, the Cannons is he, leave, is he left is he or is he leaving he has already left yeah he announced on Twitter that all things come to an end and, and he has already left and it's been a disappointing season for Hyde really it started very well and it, but it has tailed off spectacularly and they sit now some way off the playoff place I mean the, the top five are pretty much clear anyway 40 points from 28 games in 8th place but 10 points off being in the top five um, so a disappointing campaign for Hyde Town yeah, I think we tipped them probably to do, you know, the run they had at the back end of last season when they missed out in the playoffs, I think, in the final minute. We thought, oh, um, Sam's got the side going in the right direction uh, and a side to be, um, you know, a real side, one of our sides I thought would be uh, definitely in the promotion hunt, but it's the way form that's let them down, John. Only two defeats in uh, 14 at home, but eight defeats away from home shows maybe that changes have got to be made to get out of this level, the tough places you have to go from that. But a high... They're probably, again, it's one of these sides, I mentioned sitting and they're probably at the level, I can't remember if Hyde ever been a, a Devon Boston Premier League club, so maybe certain things got to work on there. But Sam Denley's the man for the job on that. He can turn it around, very experienced at that level. Just maybe, like some of, a lot of our teams this year, try and write this season off. But again, get rid of players in, maybe can bring players in already for next season. That could be the, the, the way forward. And Yeah, disappointing season for them, though. doesn't annoy me. We've got so many Kent teams in this league, and yet... Only two of them are in the top five, and it looks like, in fact, only two of them are in the top six. You've got Whiteley for in six, but you're just kind of looking at it and you'd have thought at the start of the season, oh, there's bound to be a couple of Kent clubs kicking around the playoffs, but it looks like Craig Wanderers are hopefully going to go on and win the league, and then Ashford United are going to be the sole team in the playoffs. So it has been a very strange old season in the Bostick South East League, and a lot of our Kent teams in this new league haven't done as well as they would have liked to have done, but I suppose they'll all be hoping come the end of the season they can have a bit of a break and a bit of a um, a rebuild and go again in August when optimism will be all high again, won't it? 
Yeah, yeah. I think it maybe you see a lot of players moving from club to club in the summer. The Devon Bostick South, uh, Devon Bostick uh, South East Division, or whatever it was called previously, used to be Ken dominated. But maybe I don't know if other sides are catching up with them, or there's not the depth of quality players in the, in the division. It'll be interesting to see, really. But um, yeah, not a great year for us, as we always think somebody's going to come through. I don't know, Craig, they're going to win that division now, which is good for them. But I was expecting a lot of the other sides at least challenging for the playoffs. Yeah, Cray have the chance to go 16 points clear at the top on Saturday when they host second-placed Horsham at Hayes Lane. Um, other fixtures this weekend, Ashford against Ramsgate, Herne Bay on the road to East Grinstead, it's Fabersham against Phoenix Sports, Hyde Town are at home to Whiteleaf, Seven Oaks against Sittingbourne, as we heard Chris Lynch say, um, and BCD Athletic against Hastings and a half-past two kick-off at the Belmont for Whitstable against Guernsey. Um, into the Bossic League Premier Division then, where Margate continued their resurgence under Jay Saunders uh, with a 2-1 win at AFC Hornchurch, 10-man AFC Hornchurch after Sean Marks was sent off. A decision which certainly didn't please one Hornchurch fan I saw on Twitter um, for a challenge on Tom Mills. But Cadell Daniel, that man again, and Toby Show Silver scoring the goal. So Dover technically, Matt, won twice at the weekend, didn't they? Yeah, three Davis strikers scored at the weekend, if you count on that. We haven't said a striker score for about 10 games. But yeah, Cadell Daniels doing it in. Maybe he's found his level, um, playing a sort of at a number 10 role, and he's been impressive for Margate. And Toby Joe Silva, you know, I've got a lot of time for Toby. He's had injury problems at David. He's a real willing runner. Is he a, is he a 15, 20 goal season striker? Maybe not in the National League, but if you get him firing, he can score goals at that level. So, Jay Saunders has done a, a really good job, and I noticed as well, Ira Jackson, another former Dover man who's went to Margate, scored goals. He's scoring for Folkestone as well. So there's some players out there who we know have got the ability. and Hopefully they can show it on a more regular basis if, if they're getting regular football. Yeah, Folkestone were 2-1 up at uh, Carl Shilton on Saturday after Ira Jackson's goal added to Alfie Paxman's. Uh, but they ended up losing that game by four goals to two with Harry Ottaway. There's a name he's been around. Uh, scoring it, out he played with, I rate Harry Ottaway. He played for Dover. When they got... The first season, Kinnear, Kinnear brought him in. They lost in the playoffs to Salisbury. I rated Harry Ottaway. Didn't score many goals, but a real willing runner. As well. I love a willing runner. I want a striker who never scores any goals, but works his um, his bits off for the team. But uh, yeah, I, like, I rate him. But he's, he's a good player, Harry Ottaway. Yeah, and uh, Tommy Angels drew nil nil at Enfield. Their second nil nil draw in a in the space of a few days as well for for Angels. So uh, that leaves them fourth in the table though, uh, with fifty four points. They're three points clear of Enfield who are in 6th, Folkestone are in 10th with 49 points, and Margate are now 15th with 41, well clear now of the drop zone that some of their fans were definitely worrying about. Uh, I guess their main aim is to win some more home games before the end of this campaign, Matt. Yeah, and of course, if they continue to do that, Jay Saunders, we know his reputation is pretty high, could get higher. Could the other sides higher up the pyramid look at Jay Saunders and so on, take them on, take that job on? So it'll be interesting to see, but... He's turned it around at Margate, and I'm delighted to see that. Yeah, but winning the home games will please the faithful because I'm sure they, you know this weekend they're at home, aren't they? They've got somebody at home this uh, weekend. Yes, they're home to Bognor Regis on Saturday. So uh, who are doing two? Well, Bognor is seven, so that's a good game there. Bognor normally always plays some good football, but it'll be a decent crowd down there at Margate, four five, four hundred, four fifty, I expect. So they'll be delighted if they can get three more points in front of them as well. Yeah, some sort of battle of the beach is that as well, isn't it, Margate against Bogner? Um, all of our teams in the... I'll tell you the story about Bogner. I've been to Bogner. Went to watch them against Welling, I think it was. And I had a heated debate. Me and my dad went down about uh, Bogner because they didn't want to get... I think Bogner were really inside the table and blokes going, oh, we don't want to get promoted. We had a heated debate. They never wanted to get promoted. They were right near the top of the table. This might have been Byron Premier. And, you know, I couldn't really... I've really gone off them since that point of view because the blokes said... Oh, Oh, we just enjoy the football. We don't want to get promoted. So, uh, from that point of view, um, Bogner went down in my estimations from that point of view. But I have been to Bogner Regis Town. In my opinion, if you're playing football, you want to win every game and you want to get promoted. But their feeling was, oh, as long as we enjoy our football, that's the way forward. But that's another debate for a different day. Certainly is. All of our teams in the Bossett League Premier Division are at home on Saturday. Uh, folks in Victor are at home to Lewis and Tunbridge Angels take on AFC Hornchurch. Into the Southern Counties EC, there's four points between the top two now in that league after Cray Valley's win on Tuesday night, uh, which lifted them to within uh, four of Corinthian. Uh, Corinthian, though, now have played the same number of games. There's no games in hand at all there um, for them. And Corinthian's 14-match winning run in all competitions came to an end on Saturday as they drew... Uh, on Tuesday night, sorry, as they drew 0-0 with Fisher. Um, Beersted, it was 
Cray Valley beat Bearstead on Sat on Tuesday night to move up into second spot. Uh, but lo looking at the league table, you've got Corinthian 68 from 28, Cray Valley 64 from 28, Fisher 62 from 29, and Chatham 59 from 27. It's going to be one of those four, you would imagine. And at, at the moment, the, the, the wise money would surely still be on Corinthian, wouldn't it? Yeah, I'm just looking at it, turning my phone around, look at the from that point of view. Chatham still have the game in hand, don't they? So, But only one, you, and they're nine points behind. Yeah. Score goals though, 79 goals in 20, 27 games. Yeah, you're Corinthian in great form, don't lose what good array record. Cray Valley, bigger fish to fry, arguably. Um, they're going to be up there. It's quite a tight division. Yeah, top, it's going to come out of the top four. Corinthian, are, we, are you putting your money on there, John? Are you putting my money on Corinthian, eh? Well, why not? I think they're in such good form there. They're obviously hard to beat and they're, they're just doing a great job. Yeah, so yeah, well. well I still think Craig Valley have got a part to play in this, so interesting time there, but a really good division. And on the games over Easter, I expect when this game, when this division's coming to a boiling point, it will be really exciting. So good division to watch out for that one. Certainly is on Saturday as well. Chatham Town with three-one winners at Craig Athletic. Pretty unremarkable, you'd think. Only that Paul Vines had to play in goal for eighty minutes um, after the the Danielis was went off was forced off injured um, early on, and Vines, the striker, stuck himself in goal and, and helps his side to a three-one win. You can't beat an outfield player going in goal. Um, and, you know, the way he run, jumps, jumps around, you know, Vines is a, a big lad anyway, so um, he's probably find out he's always going in goal in training. But, yeah, fantastic fair play to them and shows the character what, what Chatham have and certain sides would have maybe um, looked to, uh, you know, cave in a little bit when your keeper goes off. But I know they're playing a side not particularly good form, but they, they showed their capabilities and fair play to him. Well, exactly. It's a, that is some achievement. Like you say, I mean, when you see it for like five or ten minutes, it's funny. But when you're doing it for 80, I yeah. mean, it's it's amazing that he was able to, to do it for, for so long and only be beaten once. Uh, well, I think one of these things as well, distribution is always a problem with a keeper from that. I know he's, you're booting it from uh, standing probably. But at least, you know, a goalkeeper is trained, you know, to kick it out of the thing from that. So I think that's half the battle. It's always good. You can make it. Anybody can make a save within reason but it's the other part of the game organising your defence kicking out is the key thing and fair play to him on that so will he be in goal this weekend they must find out unless they can get a new signing I would imagine they'll have, they'll find a way but I'm um, just reading some quotes actually from uh, from Chatham manager James Collins to uh, to Kent Online um, <laughs> he's made two great saves and the score still 1-0 the first one was unbelievable he's pushed a point back header onto the bar the second one he's ran across the line and dived like Superman and held onto the ball it was only where his positioning was bad that he's been able to make that save. A proper keeper wouldn't have made it because they'd have been in the right place to dive. <laughs> yeah, things like that. Yeah, you, keepers. Uh, yeah, fair play. I think. Um, yeah, I do love a bit of goalkeeper crazy diving, but maybe like if you're not trained to, with narrow the angles, etc., like that, it's a good, very good point there. And he made typical well under the crossbar. I bet he's. He just. He, I'm sure he's more buzzing what he did there than scoring a hat trick in a game. I expect some of those saves he made. Yeah, he did score on Tuesday night, actually, Vines, back in his outfield role as they beat SC Tempsby 4-1 in the first leg of the Challenge Cup semi-final. Monday night, that one was. Sorry, I apologise. Um, elsewhere in, in that league this weekend, on Tuesday night, it was Tunbridge Wells 3, K-Sports 1. Um, Michael Power among the goal scorers for Tunbridge Wells there, Matt. He's, he's moved to the Colverden. Um, and on Saturday, it was Glebe 1-4-0 at AFC Croydon. Um Cray Valley beat Beckenham 2-0. Beckenham have, have sunk right down the table now uh, and sit sixth uh, in, in the standings. Uh, Canterbury 1, Beersted 1, Corinthian 3, Lordswood 1, Punjab 1, Croydon 1, Rustle 2, Deal Town 2, Sheppey United 2, Hollands and Blair 4 in a bit of a turn up for the books. And it was Tom Ridgewell's 1, Irith Town 2. Uh, any games you want to pick out there, Matt? Um, Canterbury again against Beersted, middle of the table. Canterbury, well, they, they must have a... Oh, and the big game's coming up, and it'll be interesting to see what sort of side they play uh, this weekend. Yeah, good result. You know, we didn't expect Sheppey. We thought Sheppey could have been one of the sides. They've definitely dipped now, haven't they? Many, you know, played a lot more games than anybody else. I think they already expected a better season than that they were. Because, we, you know, we spoke to earlier in the season. I think they did the Cup last year. They were in a good recent run in that. They wanted to do better in the league, so they'll be disappointed with that. Yeah, Canterbury do play on Wednesday night as well at home to AFC Croydon. And then on Saturday, it's Beckham against K-Sports. Chatham at home to Beersted, Cray Valley against Sheppey United, Croydon against Rostall, Irith Town against Canterbury City, Fisher against Tunbridge Wells, Glebe against Corinthian and Hollands and Blair take on Deal Town from a camp perspective. There is also a game between Crowborough and AFC Croydon 
which will happen and will be off our radar here on the Kent Non-League podcast. Um, in the first division, Wellington were beaten 4-2 at Brydon Ropes on Saturday, the leaders. Uh, but good news for them was that second place Kennington also lost, beaten 2-1 at home by resurgent Snodland Town. Uh, the other results in that division were Greenways 2, Holmesdale 4, Kent Football United 5, Meridian VP 0, Lidtown 3, Phoenix Reserves 3, Sporting Club Thamesmead 0, Rochester United 3, Stansfeld 1, FC Armstead 2 and Sutton Athletic 1, Irith and Belvedere 1. Uh, results mean that Meridian and VP are now bottom of the table with Rochester off the bottom after that 3-0 win uh, for them. This weekend in that division, there are obviously a full programme of fixtures. As usual, uh, we've got Bryden Ropes against FC Elmstead, Irith and Belvedere against Stansfeld, Forest Hill Park against Sutton Athletic, Holmesdale against Snodland Town, Phoenix Sports Reserves against Greenways and Rochester United against Lewisham Borough. Uh, next midweek as well, um, we do have the second legs of the Scaffold Challenge Cup semi-finals between Chatham and SC Thamesmead and Fisher and Corinthian, while there's also a game between Lordswood and Rustall in division in Premier Division, and next Wednesday a couple of games in uh, Division 1 as well. That's pretty much it for your Kent Non-League podcast this week. Uh, I did promise you it'd be about 45 minutes. We've gone well over that, but I hope you've still managed to uh, enjoy the content that we have. I assume, Matt, that you're uh, not watching Dover on Saturday. So what are you doing? I'm going to a pancake party. I'll tell you all about that next week. A pancake party? So, yeah. Mm. So, Do you like a sweet or savoury? I didn't have them last night. Sorry, sorry, I come up. I, I'm, I'm definitely a, a savoury person, so I didn't have any pancakes last night. So, I will, I'm now giving up bread for Lent as well, so um, I don't know what I'm going to eat for the rest of the time, but uh, I do like a, a bit of bread. But I'll give it up for Lent, but I will be having pancakes this weekend. But I'm, hope, I'm thinking they're going to be very, very sweet at this uh, church hall that we're going to so but i'll let you inform next week but hopefully there'll be a bit of cheese there for me to love me pancake yeah and um yeah you should, he did mention there he was giving up uh, bread for lent you should have seen him eating a pizza um on monday it was like he was never going to eat bread ever again <laughs> <laughs> um so but then tuesday night you you will be at the big game on tuesday i assume against Bournemouth. Bournemouth, yes yeah i know your favorite club in the national league yeah, Bournemouth, so um Hopefully, yeah, big game, big game. So, um, yeah, so, uh, yes, again, this time next week, we want to we know a little bit more in the National League. The season's getting, you know, we'll be middle of March next week. So, um, yeah, the season's getting closer now. And hopefully for some of our sides, it's going to be a, a bit of improvement for the final running. Exactly. So, yeah, thanks to everyone for listening uh, to this week's Kent Only podcast. Thanks, as always, to uh, Chris Lynch for, for giving up his own time and Lee Wargan for listening when Matt raved the microphone in his face on Saturday um, and yeah hopefully everybody has a good week and next this time next week we'll certainly be looking forward to the start of the FA Vars semi-final between Cray Valley and Canterbury City um, in the meantime follow us on Twitter at Kent NL Podcast and on Facebook we're at Kent Non-League and also I have to give a plug for Monday night's radio show um, that we had if you haven't already listened to it I really would urge you to do so we had um, we talked about wheelchair football first which was really interesting to learn about it looks like a great sport to play um, but we also had three chaps in the studio who um, are from a new team called Kent Sands United they're, they're going to be in the Maidstone League next year um, but they are all uh, dads the whole team are dads who've lost children either uh, miscarriage or very early in life and the stories that they told us on the air on Monday night were absolutely incredible. And those three lads were so incredibly brave. And it would mean a lot to us if you would listen to that uh, on uh, via the BBC Sounds app. I have tweeted out the link myself from my own Twitter account, which is at JohnPhipps81. Uh, my co-host is at Matthew underscore Gerard, And we will speak to you all next week. Thanks for listening. I'm off to swing my pants. <laughs>